Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. I am uh, the co-host Peter Englert. I am here with our semi-regular guest co-host extraordinaire Alyssa Catanzaro. I had to add an extraordinaire. I appreciate it. We are here with our producer also Nathan Yoder. We exist to respond to the questions you didn't think you could ask in church. And we are brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. Today, we have special guests. We are asking the question, why is soccer spiritual? This has kind of been an accidental series. Um, Alyssa came to me and said, we have two people you should interview. They're only here for three days. Let's do it. So Alyssa, why don't you inter- uh, introduce Faith and Miguel? Yeah. So um, a couple months ago, or I don't know, sometime last year, we met up with someone that is a part of Browncroft and she was recommending Faith and Miguel. They are from a ministry called Empowering Quechua's. Uh, it's based in Peru. And she came to us and was like, this couple's amazing. They're doing really awesome things. Their ministry is just blossoming in all over Peru. And so we met with them over Zoom, which is funny to think about now that we're sitting together. It's like, it's fun that we got to meet in person so soon, but we met over Zoom and just heard their hearts and their passion for the gospel and soccer and the Quechua's of Peru. And yeah, so here we are. Thank you, Carol Stevenson. Yes, thank you, Carol. Um, there we go. Well, let's just dive right in. Why don't um, Why don't you both introduce yourselves and then just share a little bit of your faith journey of how you're here today? Okay, sounds good. That was that was some great. <laughs> if you're watching on video, there was just like a you great way. No, yeah. there you no, go. No, you go first. <laughs> it ended up on me, so I'll go first. <laughs> um, yeah, my name is Faith Saxada. Uh, like we were saying, I grew up in Georgia. Um, I've been playing soccer since I could walk, basically without exaggerating, um, and soccer's always been my passion. I went to Peru on a short-term trip. Long story short, God called me to be there full-time. Um, soccer ministry made a lot of sense because I was passionate about soccer, and Peru is passionate about <laughs> soccer, and so um, we run a soccer, soccer-based ministry in Peru, and that ministry has grown to involve lots of other things that we can get into later on. But that's that's me. Miguel. Me, uh, my name is Miguel Saxada, and I'm from Peru. And well, my, my story actually starts with my parents. Every time I think about it, um, they are the reason probably I'm in ministry. And they taught me how to, how they do ministry. I learned from them. And uh, we are from the mountains of Peru, from Ayacucho. Um, I love soccer too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Peru, we grew up playing soccer. Um, and the Lord, you know, crossed our paths with faith. Mm-hmm. We both love soccer, love ministry. Uh, she loves my people, the Quechua people. And we decided to get married. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we fell in love and everything, but, <laughs> but um, and we are doing this ministry in Peru, which is um, amazing. And we are really thank- thankful to be here. Well, uh, tell us how you met and started dating. I mean, yeah. it wasn't an arranged marriage, was it? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I, like I said, I went to Peru as a veterinary assistant, actually. That team was doing medical ministry and there was a veterinarian going. He was vaccinating cattle and sheep and goats and pigs as a way to give um, 
people a connection to um, the people who were sharing the gospel. So these farmers mm. would come down bringing their animals, and they would be connected to the rest of the team that was sharing the gospel. And so I went as a veterinary assistant because I was studying. I was on that track. I wanted to be a veterinarian. <laughs> and funny looking back now, of course, but... Um, we did that for the week and Miguel was our translator and that was where we met for the first time. We obviously hit it off. We stayed in touch for about two years before he came to study um, in the U.S. while I was studying in the U.S. And it was coincidentally his university was very close to mine. <laughs> very convenient how that worked out. So convenient. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, and then he met my family and I guess the rest is history. We've been married for four years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, can you tell us a little bit about your ministry and yeah, what does Empowering Quechua's do? How did it start? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in a nutshell, uh, Empowering Quechua seeks to evangelize, disciple, and empower the indigenous people groups of Peru in creative ways. We do this through job skills training, um, soccer ministry, Mm -hmm. English. English classes, <laughs> English classes, and adventure ministry, so hiking and camping ministries. Mm. I want to back up. That's a great question. Let's get more into the ministry and stuff. But I, I guess your focus is soccer. That's the focus of our conversation. Describe to us, I'm actually going to look at Miguel for this. What is soccer like in growing up in Peru that's different than America? Well... <clears throat> different in America. <laughs> Probably we we are more more uh, exposed to soccer than in U.S. You have um, different sports. It's a bigger country, uh, but in Peru, probably soccer is. I mean, soccer is the, the sport that everyone plays, everyone knows, and I think second is um, volleyball. For example, baseball. I think just probably. This past months, I've seen a team of baseball in Peru for the first time ever. There was a, a baseball camp, yeah. baseball camp, which is, I was weird. surprised. We were like, huh, baseball camp. And then other sports like uh, American football too. But just like in the past year, I've seen this. But soccer, you are you are born and your father gives you your first jersey, maybe. Like you <laughs> are gonna be the fan of this of my team because <laughs> yeah. I'm the fan of that team of my father was. So that's how it goes. Um, I don't think you guys have that here in U.S., maybe in football, hmm. but um, hmm. something U.S. have, you guys have the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. You have all the stadiums. I've been driving around here. I've seen so many fields, mm -hmm. empty, beautiful, flat, all the grass. <laughs> and I was telling Faith, I would love to transport this to Peru, to the jungle right now. <laughs> it will be full 24 hours a day, mm -hmm. full of kids. But um, I think... It's, I mean, we yeah. just born with that. Well, and, and mm. Faith, before we, because Alyssa's going to ask you some more about what you actually do and why soccer spiritual. What's your soccer journey? So you said you yeah. played in college. What college did you play yeah, for? Yeah. I, okay, let's see. I played in different academies since I was little. I played club in high school. So that involved um, traveling to Atlanta three days a week, which is two hours from where we lived. So that's a huge part of my middle and high school experience. Mm -hmm. And then I went to Liberty University where I played soccer my freshman year. Go Flames. Yeah, go <laughs> Flames. Um, and yep, played soccer there. And then when God was calling me to serve in Peru long term, it became really complicated to be a student athlete because I was spending all of my breaks in Peru. And so that was kind of where 
my soccer career took a long pause. And then, um, yeah, actually, in Peru, I started playing for a women's professional team a couple years ago. Mm. And um, obviously, professional women's professional soccer in Peru is light years behind women's professional soccer in the U.S. So the level was like the club teams I played for in high school, mm. um, but it was a women's professional team. And then I tore my ACL um, and had a really long year of recovery, went back to start playing again, and then the pandemic started. <laughs> and so go figure, um, I'm considering going back to try in Peru some more because soccer in Peru, especially in Lima, is all about contacts. And you can't just Google, how do I put my player into a tryout for this team that they want to play for? That doesn't work in Peru. You have to know someone in that team to get your player a tryout. And so I thought that my personal career would be an awesome platform to not only meet people and connect them to the ministry, but also to connect our players to professional soccer teams in Lima. So that's my soccer journey actually has like take, it took a long pause, like I said, but it's weirdly just started back up again in the past few years. So mm. that was a good question. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm almost pandemic probably saved your knees a little bit. <laughs> oh, you just yeah, had to rest a little bit. Yeah, that's cool. I'm just wondering about, so, and this is like horrible of me. I didn't even really think about women women's soccer but is it also big for women too i know that miguel you said like you have a child and they get their first jersey is that true for girls (laughs) great question (laughs) no um when we started our ministry i didn't realize that women's soccer wasn't very common in peru so we would see these little girls sitting on the sidelines of our training sessions especially i'm thinking of the first time we ever did soccer ministry we had like 30 boys and then 10 little girls sitting on the sidelines watching so i would go over and be like come play come play and they're like no 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 soccer's for boys Mm. and i was like look i'm not going to (laughs) obligate you to play but you're totally welcome and we can have a special girls only group and they were like girls only <laughs> yes. And so from then on, more yeah. and more girls have started joining. And it's really cool to watch them build confidence mm-hmm. through soccer. I mean, sports have just such a positive impact in young, young people's lives. But oh. one of my favorites was mm-hmm. um, one of the one of our soccer academies received us for a visit recently. And you know, they usually have people get up and, and like receive you with a welcome in front of everyone. And they sent their girls captain mm. to receive us with a welcome in front of everyone. And she was, you know, 15 or 16. Oh, but cool. that leadership role of being a captain on her team empowered her to step up and speak to a huge group so confidently. And it obviously made me a little yeah. teary-eyed <laughs> because she did so well. And I just could see so clearly how her role with her, her, her leadership role in her soccer team made her confident to be a leader in other areas areas as well. You know, so we, Alyssa, I love that question. We have so many skeptics of church that listen to this podcast and just maybe they're kind of on the fringe. And I think, so on one hand, you know, the question, why is soccer spiritual? On one hand, I I can sense our listeners say, why would the church even care about this? Mm -hmm. Um, But then on the other hand, I can hear like church people say like, no, like ministry needs to be very, very direct. Yeah. And so I'm just curious from both of mm. you, what language does soccer speak that maybe makes it spiritual from a fan side and from a player side that kind of provides inroads, just like what Alyssa asked in conversations that you probably couldn't have any other way? Yeah. 
Well, I'll give an example. Overwhelmed with the question. <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> it's okay. We just communicate. Yeah. Like, um, look. Now you can. I go first. Yeah, go first, and then I'm gonna get very <laughs> well the questions. It. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> your question. Um, well, one example. I don't. This might answer your question. It might not. One of the things that we love to do in a new location that we are for the first time is to have the kids play a scrimmage match between two teams and we tell them in advance that the losing team has to do 10 push-ups in front of everyone and it's like, oh nobody <laughs> wants to do push-ups like oh gosh a punishment that everyone hates mm. it's kind of embarrassing because they're up in front of everyone too and so they're playing and they're playing really hard and everyone's really celebrating the goals and they're kind of on edge and then um we sit them all down. We, there's obviously a winning team at that point and a losing team. And we say, all right, losing team, come on up here in front of everyone. You know what time it is. All right, get down. They're ready. They're in plank position, ready to do their push-ups. And they're all, huh, you know. <laughs> and then we have them stand up. And they're like, we didn't do our push-ups. And we're like, just wait. And Miguel and I will do their push-ups for them on their behalf. And we connect that as that's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't play the game of life. Um, in the in a losing way, right? He basically won the game of life. Um, mm -hmm. He didn't sin. He didn't deserve the punishment. He didn't deserve the push-ups. We deserve the punishment. We deserve mm -hmm. to do the push-ups because we lost in the game of life by sinning. But Jesus took them on our behalf because he loves us and he didn't want us to go through that punishment. Mm -hmm. We took your push-ups because we love you guys and we don't want you to have to do push-ups. And so that's just one of many ways that soccer is comparable to the Bible, comparable to the gospel. Um, and it's easy to use those types of metaphors to sum up really complicated spiritual ideas in a way that kids can understand. Yeah, let me rephrase the question for Miguel. Um, I can be a little bit clearer. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I think in in countries, even in America, f I know people that follow Liverpool that it borderlines religion. Like yeah. it border like, and even what you talked about in Peru, you know, there's ch church people that might say giving a kid the first jersey. What, well, what about their first Bible? <laughs> um, and so there's this weird kind of tension of it seems like it's easier to be in the fan and religion of soccer versus a fan and religion of christianity and following jesus i guess how do you kind of bridge that divide so to speak we believe in a holistic gospel uh, as ministry and we don't, we're not just, um, for example, on the spiritual part. We also believe that person has emotions, has to develop physically, um, intellectually. Uh, so soccer for us is an, a strategy how to reach these young people that are not interested in going to a church. Um, I, I read that, for example, big companies like Coca-Cola, they invest millions every year. Mm because they know their the public changes over time and they need to reach the new customers, the new buyers. So we believe that also um, like the gospel is the same as we presented from the Bible, but at least in Peru, the society will leave many of these young people, they don't want to go to church, they don't want to fast, they don't want to spend hours listening to a sermon. <laughs> but they still need the gospel. So soccer is just a way to like, you know, they love soccer. So we just um, 
we go with, uh, with them, but also soccer provides for them um, a chance to hear the gospel, to hear devotionals, the Bible, uh, a chance to um, be better physically, starting very young, you no know, waiting when they're like sick and older, started very young and have discipline in life and all the good results you can have with uh, through sports. Um, for example, we have, we've been sharing that we have an academy there that they wake up at 5.30 in the morning because that's the hour <laughs> is fresh for them, it's cooler, because later in the jungle it's really hot. But also it's a benefit for the family because these 15, 16, year, 17 years old boys, they want to be professional soccer players. So they are willing to get up at that hour for soccer, mm. but then when they go back to their house, they're really awake, they shower, they have breakfast, and they're ready to start classes mm. they have uh, from school. So we're seeing the benefit there, like intellectually, they are ready. The parents, some parents told us that they don't have to fight with the kids anymore, waking them up. They're awake before them, mm. just for soccer. And I think um, that, that, that would be my answer for now. <laughs> no, that was good. Yeah, so can you guys talk a little bit about, uh, I'm like, I feel like Carol from the other night that was like, I already know the answer, but. Um, <laughs> Best student, yeah. Alyssa. <laughs> um, to talk about the church, because you were saying like, if kids, you know, they, you can get them to come to a soccer practice or academy or something, but to get them to come to church might be a little bit harder. Uh, sermons are long, mm. maybe a little boring, mm -hmm. but could you just talk a little bit about the church and uh, I'm like trying not to give it away, but it's just, I don't know. You were talking about generations. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's, you got it. You, you said the right thing. I know what you're referring to. Um, the, there's a major generational disconnect in Quechua churches. So the people groups that we work with are listed as up to 4% evangelical. So I think we technically work with four or five different people groups and they're like 0.5% reached to... 4% um, reached. And out of that 4%, when we walk into a community that's probably written down as being completely reached, um, we see their church, we go into their church, two-thirds of the believers in the church are probably over 60. And so we know that that's not necessarily the sign of a growing church that's reaching the community in sensitive ways. There's a generational disconnect. They're not able to reach the next generation. And what does that mean? That within the next, within the coming years, these churches are going to dwindle down and potentially even completely cease to exist if the next generation is not taking up a leadership role. And so um, we have churches that approached us asking to do soccer ministry in their churches um, because they've seen the results in other communities. And th on three occasions, we've had a church come to us asking to do soccer ministry. And in their church at the time that we opened the soccer ministry, they did not have any youth. So they didn't have a separate youth service. They didn't have a youth pastor. They didn't have youth ministry just because they, there weren't any youth in, in the church. And then after six months to eight months to a year of having the soccer academy in their community, they've had to start a youth group for the first time because of all the kids who have gotten connected through the soccer academy to the church. And so we actually, in September, trained a group of youth leaders. They're like junior youth pastors. They're, <laughs> most of them are 
ages 16 to 22. And so they are the ones that are leading these youth services in creative ways. They went home and they were sending us photos of, we're doing a bonfire tonight with the youth group, or we're having movie night with the youth group or whatever. <laughs> and we just love to see their creativity. But that is a new need caused by Quechua FC, our soccer academies, because they never needed youth pastors before, and now they do because they're youth. Why why do so many younger Peruvians hate going to church? <laughs> I Church is hard in Peru. Yeah. Um, like Miguel was saying, fasting is really central. Hmm. So we know a lot of churches that fast the entire day on Sunday, and they'll guilt you about it if you're not fasting with them. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of weird false teachings that we encounter too. Like for example, we were at a church one time and a moth flew in and one of the girls sitting beside me was like, oh my gosh, it's Satan. And I was like, it's a moth. <laughs> and she was like, no, but the pastor says that when, when the moth interrupts the service, then that's, it's Satan. It's Satan himself. And we were like, oh no. <laughs> and so we hear that kind of stuff that just comes kind of out of nowhere. Even, um, even sorry, even, even with soccer, we had a, um, there are parts in the mountains of Peru that they don't want the soccer ministry because the leaders have told the church that playing soccer, you are kicking Jesus' head. Oh, So I don't know where in the Bible is that. That's why they say soccer is sin. Mm. So in that case, we use another strategy to reach to them, but um, we have yeah. all those So we encounter a too. lot of mm. crazy kind of stuff like that in churches. And then like Miguel was saying the other day, a lot of times the sermons or the church services are two to three hours long, and it's just a song and then a sermon and then a song, and then someone talks and then someone prays for half an hour, and you know, and so it's just not really designed for youth. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of the topics are that kind of like a mixture between biblical ideas and then what the pastor thinks, and mm -hmm. so it's not, and it's hard to distinguish for someone who would be a new believer. It's hard to distinguish what is actually in the Bible and what is something that the pastor, it's a pastoral yeah. opinion. When you're young or at that age, if someone tells you like, when you become a Christian, you have to leave all your friends that are not believers, and never that's not very again. attractive, <laughs> you know? It's not, mm. first it's not in the Bible. And second is like, if I, I was that, that guy listening that I was like, but they are my friends mm -hmm. who I'm gonna play soccer with now. Yeah. Like, that's that's um and there's a difficult. lot of the the culture of like well you have to change your haircut if you want to be a christian or you have to change your clothes if you want to be a christian and so a lot of our ministry is also geared towards gently correcting these false teachings that we encounter in the churches as well you know let me so Alyssa asked a great question but you know you've been in america you're mm -hmm. talking with people what's different about peru and america because they're um as a pastor, I feel this. There's um, just animosity towards the church, mm -hmm. fair and unfair. Mm -hmm. There's kind of just um, apathy towards the church. Mm -hmm. I don't say like I don't think it's just because people don't want to go, but mm -hmm. there's a disconnect, mm -hmm. a relevancy. As you kind of come from Peru to America, what do you mm -hmm. see to help us? Yeah, good question. We've been really encouraged this week this weekend, I guess, um, because everyone is, well, the people that we've been in contact with have gone out of their way to receive us and to welcome us. And that's been really encouraging. So I can say that um, that's a positive thing. We, uh, do you have something to add from the Peru side? 
to hear uh, what um, what's different or what we're noticing. Yeah, I guess a way to also think about it, America and Peru, I think the younger generations are very critical. Um, they're also very um, hesitant towards mm. church and Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, what are some of the differences and similarities that you see, that you see? And maybe you haven't engaged someone here, yeah, but yeah. I mean, you grew up in the Bible Belt mm-hmm. in Georgia yeah. and... Just, you know, I, mm. I think that any listener could say a three hour service is a very long time, yeah. you know, and, you know, talking about what we wear in certain contexts. Yeah. And we're so I don't know, just curious, some of your observations. I think I, I think here you guys um, do good on the effort on you guys invest on the youth. Mm. You guys invest mm. on providing something for example, a room that is attractive for a young person, mm-hmm. different games, and then the Bible. I think that's something we like. And Peru, mm-hmm. that investment on like, okay, I probably, I probably not rich, but I have something that I can help with. I can rent. Um, Fulbito de mano. What's, what's uh, that? Foosball. Foosball. <laughs> something like that, you know, to to have the kids feel more attractive to come and have a place where they can go and hang out. Mm. I think that's something that that is cool. We, we could do in Peru. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm also <laughs> thinking. I'm like, yeah. Well, because I was thinking too. Because I think, um, yeah, like there are some churches that do invest well in their students, but then there, are, uh, maybe it's just different traditions or whatever that could maybe feel more like Peru, mm. that the focus is less like, hey, this is a fun and inviting place. It's mm. actually just, we're here to learn. Mm-hmm. And which, it's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Like you are here to learn, mm-hmm. but yeah, there is just so much more um, to it and to mm-hmm. having a relationship with Jesus. So I was just wondering, um, so when you have your soccer academy practices i'm super good at sports so (laughs) i know how all this works um so how so when you i mean you said the push-up story and i'm like can you cry on a podcast like (laughs) like, i love that that's so great um but how else do you like the time obviously your kids are coming to play soccer Mm. and to practice their skills and drills and all that but when when does jesus get Mm -hmm. I don't know, like mentioned or sure. how does how does that work? Great question. Um, so we have eleven soccer academies in Peru. They're in small communities. Our focus is indigenous communities, um, and each one of those academies is run by a group of coaches that we have trained and that the church has actually appointed because each of those soccer academies partners with a local church. Mm. And so the coaches are appointed and overseen by the church leaders. So there's a little bit more local accountability. They're accountable to us, but we're not there to see how they're doing all the time. Mm. And so the way that they manage presentations of the gospel and mentions of the Bible is largely up to them. And we trust them because they grew up in those communities. They understand the cultural context. Mm -hmm. They know what's appropriate to say and what's not appropriate to say. They know, like, for example, oh, a great analogy. There's an analogy here that you taught. I feel like it's been used in churches. You have like a hundred dollar bill and you like crumble it up 
and you're like, is it still valuable? Yes, mm. it's still a hundred dollar bill, you know? And then you talk about people's worth, right? Yeah. Okay, that wouldn't work in Peru because if your money is crumbled, no one will accept it in mm. Peru. So like things like that, I could come in as a foreigner, as an outsider, mm. as, or even Miguel could go in as someone who didn't grow up in that community with all these pretty little analogies mm -hmm. and they wouldn't work at all. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas the coaches understand the cultural context mm -hmm. and they know what's going to resonate with their listeners. Most of the co coaches handle that by doing a devotional time either before practice or after practice. Most of our coaching staffs have at least one coach who's comfortable sharing, being the person doing the teaching, sharing the devotional. But a lot of them also include leaders and Sunday school teachers and pastors from their local church mm -hmm. so that they're not always the ones teaching every single time. Um, some of our Academies do scripture memory contests. Oh, nice. And recently they did a scripture memory contest in one academy and the winner got a new pair of cleats. Mm. So like so fun. <laughs> and that's obviously open to believers and unbelievers. It's just like a school assignment, mm -hmm. right? To memorize, like you would memorize a poem or something like that. Yeah. Um, but then the word of God is living and active. And we trust that even those unbelieving kids that hid his word in their heart with the intention of getting a pair of cleats, mm -hmm. that word is going to come back around for them one day. And so um, mostly devotional times, we try to do five to 10 minute devotionals either before or after practice. The key is it has to be during every practice. Mm -hmm. And the content can be based on the location, but there has to be devotional time before or after practice, every practice. Mm -hmm. And then a lot also do prayer times, and then some do scripture memory as well. Yeah, we, we try to go beyond that, of course, with that relationship. Mm -hmm. um, we mention to the to the kids every time we go to academies that the reason we do this is not for money because for example no one pays to be part of the academy mm -hmm. it's free for them so we are not um business people or managers trying to see <laughs> how much can we get from their legs you know yeah. how good you play <laughs> we we tell them that we do this because jesus loves us and that's because we can love them we, and they are they listen that mm -hmm. and they I think through our actions they know it's true because we don't only provide soccer balls if some of them get sick we try to help them with some medicine if one of the coaches goes to a hospital for the reason we try to help the coach and we've been we have a, a really close friendship with pretty much all the coaches we have mm -hmm. we we talk very often mm -hmm. even while we are here they keep texting <laughs> yeah. us to you know mm -hmm. uh, whatsapp and they they send us pictures and questions and they are, they say they're praying for us they call us and we are trying to to show them that, that that's what Jesus did right he he just didn't show up to his disciples, for example, for a lesson, okay, bye, <laughs> and then for another lesson. Right. He was with them all the time through through um, any situations. So, so with the same with the coaches. We don't just show up and teach them, okay, this is what you're gonna do, here's the material, bye. Mm -hmm. We're in contact with them. And again, if one of them gets sick, we try to help them. And even with the problems, when they have problems, they, they call me, they call us, and they talk about their mm -hmm. problems. So. Mm -hmm we want always uh, for them to show the same passion same love for the kids not just on the field and then you don't know them it's like if you see them on the street hey you have the chance to share a coke with a with that player spend some minutes with him mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's very that's mm. we're talking about uh the gospel so <laughs> we're talking about love right yeah. and the same passion for example they have for the boys we always tell them you have to have the same passion for the girls, mm -hmm. same um, dedication, 
uh, in the trainings, same um, respect. So everything, um, we try to go just beyond devotional time, the five to 10 minutes into like, you need to have a relationship with that kid. Mm -hmm. He's gonna see your love. He's gonna see Jesus loved through you and he, he might end up coming to the church. Mm. So that's, that's what we do too as ministry. So in America, I think one of the struggles that a listener might be thinking about, so there's a research organization named Barna that says millennials and Gen Zs really struggle with witnessing mm. and shit like, and I think what I hear you saying is, and just, I love how you put that, Miguel, we love the students, we mm -hmm. love the players, we love the coaches, and we're gonna talk about Jesus. Mm -hmm. But our goal is not to just convert them. Like, the, so, you know, I, I guess even for our American listeners, you know, they might leave thinking like, are you just doing soccer to share <laughs> the gospel? Or, you know, what is it all about? And so I, I, I guess, how do you kind of navigate that? Because no one wants to be a project. Yeah. We live in a time that's very difficult in the sense of how do I share my faith yeah. without coming across judgmental? Yeah. How are you both kind of living out the gospel in helpful ways yeah. uh, to these students? Great question. You really said it. Nobody wants to feel like a project. And everyone, that's, everyone knows if he's, he's been a project. And everyone can tell hmm. if they're your project, for sure. And so... Um, first of all, I want to emphasize sensitivity to the Holy Spirit because in certain occasions it may be necessary to present the whole gospel, but that's something that the Holy Spirit has to lead you to do. It's not that you can just go up to anyone. Well, you could, I guess, but if you go up to anyone and just present the whole gospel and tell them they're a sinner and that they need to repent today, you're not going to get very many good responses to a presentation like that. So our heart is that every conversation nudges them just one step closer and that Jesus is so evident in our lives and the way that we do ministry that it inspires questions from them and interest in why we're different. Um, something that we do that's a little bit different is we personally being outsiders never do an altar call because we feel like it gives the impression that the kids are going to receive a prize or mm -hmm. become an all-star or something like that if they raise their hand for our presentation, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So we leave that up to the pastors and to the coaches and we have results. We do have times when the pastors and coaches see it necessary to give an altar call and they have responses. They have kids that come forward and, and take a step of faith and ask Jesus into their hearts and then we get to watch them grow through the local church. Um, but most of the time, what we do as a ministry is just present who Jesus is, who God is, things about the Bible, things about life as a Christian, and then open the floor for questions and let them come to us, let them come forward when they feel like they have enough information to make an informed decision or they have enough motivation to ask for more information. Mm. We love making friends with my <laughs> wife, <laughs> having true. friends. Um, Jesus had every kind of friends, right? Mm. Um, not just like good behave, uh, good disciples. Mm. <laughs> uh, so we have, um, mm. Friends that are believers, friends that are not believers, Gnostics, and we try to be friends with them, just like friends. Hmm. Have that, uh, show them that we are, we are there for them, for them, uh, without telling them, "Hey, you're gonna go to hell. Hey, you have to go to a church. Yeah. Here's your chance. You don't know if you're gonna die if you go out of here." We don't, <laughs> we don't do that. 
and probably one of the best compliments that um, we've received, I personally received as a, uh, it came from a non-believer friend. Because when we go and hang out with friends, um, we don't go and say, hey, I'm a Christian. Hey, uh, I'm married. We don't introduce ourselves that way, just mm-hmm. friends. And then one guy, this guy um, came to us and said, he found out that we were married and said, he was so surprised that we were married because he said, but you guys look so in love. He said, <laughs> oh, you're married? But you guys are so in love. <laughs> we're like, that's the <laughs> point. <laughs> but yeah. Hmm. Because, I mean, we love each other and we love them. And I think their concept was, um, you know, marriage is just like unhappy obligation. or just like obligation because of the kids. Hmm. But we just have fun and we just <laughs> try to show them that too. Like, hey. And when they ask, because we have people that ask about um, why are we happy as a couple? Hmm. Um, we just point out the Bible, hmm. point out Jesus. And that's a chance when we, after having friendship, we know that if we mention Jesus, they're not gonna block us. They're not gonna run mm-hmm. away. They know that we're friends first. And that happened a couple of times. They, they ask one time and then the next meeting, they ask more questions about the Bible wow. and more questions and we are happy with mm-hmm. it. And that's, that's something that we try to pass and teach the coaches, hey, mm-hmm. be friends with everyone, no yeah. believers too, because <laughs> that's the point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you have the chance, when they ask then be ready to, to share about the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm just, I mean, even thinking back to your soccer academies, like maybe going to a church, you don't like what you hear that one time, like you're never coming back, Mm. but having your soccer academy, even if you are questioning the devotional of that day, Mm. you probably will come back. Yeah, (laughs) what a training. You're gonna come back, so, and then, yeah, and now that you're making it a safe space, that Mm. is a a place for them to ask the questions that they need to ask. I love it. Great. So let me just come right and ask it. Why is soccer spiritual? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> so soccer and sports in general are really a microcosm of life. Anything you can experience in life, you can also experience on a small scale hmm. in sports. So that's frustration and competition and, you know, envy, but also it's teamwork and achievement and victory and joy. And so all of those things get experienced on the soccer field. So what better place to do discipleship, right? (laughs) If people are having difficult times on the soccer field, you get to speak directly into that with principles that will apply to difficult times in other areas of life, Mm. right? So I think soccer is brings up all of those different scenarios in a very small space in a very short period of time that it would take years to disciple through if you're just waiting for frustrations to arise, mm-hmm. you know, in life, right? So mm-hmm. soccer is a microcosm of life. <laughs> Humans, we are very complex, right? We um, have our physical body, we have emotions, we have spirit, spiritual part. Um, and we also were designed to love something in sports and soccer. If I mean, personally, we love soccer. Um, so I think that connection go, goes and, and mix, match, uh, mix and merge at some point there. Because, um, um, man, I'm losing my English. My English. <laughs> um, you can say it in Spanish if you want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like people have to well, interpret. Cuando, 
Uh, I was, I was about yeah. to Spanish. <laughs> somos espíritu, um, somos más complejos que solamente eh, una parte de nuestro, de nuestro ser. Entonces, eh, si nos gusta algo, lo vamos a seguir. Y si nos gusta el deporte, ah. podemos seguir para, para conocer este, yeah. el lado espiritual. We're spiritual beings, but we're more complex than just a spiritual being. Mm -hmm. So if we like something, we're going to pursue it. And we're not just going to pursue the spiritual side, right? We're going to mm -hmm. pursue it in its entirety, like soccer. I know that everybody who's watching says, man, you know, this guy looks like he's, you know, a mini Landon Donovan. But, you know, I played soccer <laughs> in high school. Um, I probably should have loved soccer more than basketball because five, six and slow doesn't play basketball real well. But like I can remember in high school, you know, there's this moment when and soccer, I feel like is very specific to this. There's this moment that you get the ball and you've practiced your whole life. And you do a move without, like, I, I almost said without your brain, but it just happens. It just happens. Yeah. Like, you nutmeg someone, which means you kick the ball under their legs, or you do a, some type of spin move. Mm. Um, and, like, I would have to say, like, sports have some of the most spiritual moments oh, in my yeah. life. And when you look back on that, you know, you can't live in the game. You mm. live and the practices mm -hmm. and things like that. Yeah. So even as I think of why is soccer spiritual, there there's this moment on the field that mm. reflects faith that all of a sudden you get this perspective that you wouldn't have got anywhere else, that the investment pays off or, um, or just almost this moment of awe, like I didn't know what I was capable of. Mm. I think as followers of Jesus, we point to him, mm. but you know, you can kind of see that that question starts being asked as no matter what level of soccer you're at because mm -hmm. you're trying to recreate that moment. Mm -hmm. I don't know, push back on that or yeah. I think I think soccer can give you a little taste of heaven too. For example, mm -hmm. when you um when you score a goal, doesn't oh, yeah. matter if it is a championship or just like with your friends, the moment you score a goal, you feel something that you don't really feel in any other moment. Mm -hmm. It's like so good. So you feel like you're, you're flying when you score. Well, I wish and, I was better at sports. <laughs> well, well, I was just like, I can't remember you know, like that I mean, in soccer. Oh, that imagine, nice. <laughs> imagine how we're going to feel in heaven right. yeah. once we make it there. Mm -hmm. So I think scoring is, is, is amazing. I score. love that. That's another, one of the analogies that we use sometimes. We do a scrimmage match and make them do celebrations because, you know, soccer celebrations are crazy. So we tell them it's a celebration competition. It doesn't matter how many goals you score. It matters how you celebrate your goals. And so they're doing Love all it. their flips and tricks and stuff like that. But then after that, we tell them, did you know celebrations like that happen in heaven every time one sinner repents? And also, just like Miguel was saying, capture that moment that you scored that goal. Live in that moment for a minute. How good did that feel? Mm. It was like everything is right with the world, not a care. You don't, you want to live in that moment forever? That's kind of similar to how I picture feeling in heaven, but mm. like way better, obviously. And so that's, but that's something tangible that that mm. young person can grab onto and be like, Oh, so that's heaven. It's not just sitting on a cloud and watching. Yeah. It's not everything <laughs> white. Angels yeah. fly in circles, right? It's, it's, yeah. Well, and churches use these like $5,000 words, discipleship. Yeah. And, and no, one, no one really knows what that means. And <laughs> I think my simple definition is if you spend one hour in church, there's 167 hours that you have. Now, 
subtract sleep. You're supposed to sleep eight hours. I don't know who does sleep eight hours. I have a newborn. I do. Oh, you do. Oh, congratulations. I have a little alarm clock named Lucy. Lucy, I love you. Um, but, uh, you know, like you work 40 hours, so 96 hours is taken there. And we we're only at church one hour a week. Now, mm. some people lament that and they mm. think that that's bad. Mm. But I think the audacity of Christianity is, and we're recording this like in the middle of Christmas, is mm. Jesus wants to be present in your life mm. when you play soccer, mm. when you work, when you sleep, when you eat. And, and it, I don't think that that always kind of gets played because there's these mm. certain moments and opportunities in our life that come up and you're right like it's a little piece of heaven that you realize and you see things mm -hmm. come together you know I'm, I'm sitting with my three and a half year old Haley and like just out of the middle of nowhere she just starts singing go tell it on the mountain I don't sing um <laughs> my wife's a decent singer but I sound like a frog in a trash compactor so um <laughs> but like there's these moments that you just see like and you just want to put it on pause or put it on repeat and it just kind of stops. And I think that that's kind of what I'm hearing, even with this question about soccer being spiritual. That's why we go to the games. That's why we watch it every mm -hmm. Saturday morning. There's there's something that we want to feel mm -hmm. that there's kind of the ceiling to that when we get there, we want again and again. Yeah. But if we don't have something to fill it with, we'll keep going back there. Mm -hmm. mm. Mm. Like So interesting. It's interesting. I love this goal heaven analogy. You I need think to play soccer so cool. to feel yeah. it in Peru. <laughs> we'll let you score like, a goal. Thank you. Okay, cool. <laughs> like everybody move out of the way. <laughs> also, the goal needs to be really big. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just, but what you were saying about like, um, it should, you know, in sports and in our work, jobs and everything, like we should be seeing Jesus or we say, I mean, it's biblical to say, um, like to do everything for the glory of God. But that's such a hard thing to be like, what does that actually mm -hmm. mean? Like, mm -hmm. how can you be a doctor for the glory of God? Like, what does that mean? Or how can you, you know, it's mm -hmm. it's easy and easier, I guess it's not super easy, but in a ministry context, it's easier. Um, but yeah, there's some, it's just like, it's, it's hard to think about. So even thinking like, how can you be a soccer player for the glory of God? Mm -hmm. And then you're like, no, we're actually, we're doing it. <laughs> so I love it. So cool. Well, let me, let me shift. Um, cause we're coming to a close. This goes so fast. <laughs> um, so we've talked about the, at Browncroft, we have four spiritual habits. We've hit on one, which is share your faith. Mm -hmm. You basically live that. So <laughs> I think we're good, but there's another habit called know and use your gifts. Mm -hmm. And so one of the questions that we've just started really asking guests is, so this idea of spiritual gifts, mm -hmm. you know, if you're a skeptic, you might be like, that's weird. But like, at what point does a talent, you know, especially in mm -hmm. soccer, become a spiritual gift? Mm -hmm. And how do you, I mean, would mm -hmm. you say soccer is a spiritual gift? Mm -hmm. Or I don't know, <laughs> I'd just be curious. Soccer a spiritual gift. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I have it. It is now. Yeah. It's like I've just discovered a new gift for mine. <laughs> At what point? I think when you just um, really decide that I I want to be open to any moment that I have to share the gospel or share about Jesus' love, I pass more than just um, something that I'm good at to uh, you're just living um, and using that as uh, you know the bridge where Jesus can reach someone. Mm. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Faith? Mm. 
Spiritual gifts, that's a good question. I, I kind of agree with you. Like once a talent becomes a vehicle of sharing the gospel or encouraging believers or discipling people, then it that makes it a spiritual gift, I would say, right? Because it's a way, that, so the spiritual gifts, you could li- literally list them off from the Bible, <laughs> you know, teaching and counseling and pastoral leadership, whatever. But soccer allows us to use our gift of teaching mm-hmm. or soccer allows us to use our gift of evangelism. Mm-hmm. And so it's a maybe it's more of a vehicle for spiritual gifts, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm. No. Yeah. Would Jesus play soccer? Oh, yeah. He would be a number 10. He would be a number 10. He'd be a number 10. He would be a number 9. No. Well, she's 9. I'm 10. (laughs) We showed that. Well, and and for our (laughs) listeners, if you don't watch soccer, number 10 is kind of like the number of a captain or something. So, Mm. the one that makes that team play. Yeah. Mm. Team player. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's a 9? They just want to score. I thought you were going to say, my amazing wife is number nine. You know, we can do that again. <laughs> oh, man. Well, so we close uh, the podcast with every que- uh, same question. So Alyssa and I are going to answer it. So what does Jesus have to do with this topic? We've kind of hit on it. The reason we have you guys close by answering, because if we say any heresy or mess up, you can just clean we it can up. fix it. All right. That's what I'm talking about. So... Um, so what does Jesus have to say about soccer being spiritual? Um, I guess I'll get started okay. and then I'll let you go. I, you know, I, for our listeners, this has been, it's just been a fun conversation. I want to use that word. Like mm-hmm. I heard someone say, and we've mentioned this on the podcast, like Jesus never laughed in the Bible, but Jesus hung out with kids. Uh, Jesus, <laughs> hmm. you know, did all these things. Jesus turned water into wine and I just kind of think, why is soccer spiritual? You know, I think Jesus knew the right amount of fun to have, the mm-hmm. right amount. And sometimes we talk about faith and Christianity, and we talk about it being a drudgery and boring. Mm-hmm. But even in this conversation here, I, I think we're challenged that the joy and the happiness that we experience points us to Jesus. And even giving your life work to something like this that's the power of it is mm-hmm. is that there is something there about Jesus having fun with us so yeah i was i don't know researching is the wrong word but i was looking things up for to prepare for this podcast for this question in particular cuz i was like what does <laughs> what does jesus have to say um and i found this quote it says the god who abounds in love and kindness created a world of delights Mm -hmm. and placed his beloved image bearers in it with an invitation to enjoyment (laughs) so it's all and that's like i mean talking about creation but there is this like invitation to play Mm -hmm. and to just like be and have fun and that is what the world was intended to when Mm -hmm. god created it so obviously it doesn't look quite like that um as it was originally created but i just think that that was so cool to to read about because i'm like that's a really interesting way to to think about the world because it's different than how we view it but um so we've been invited to play and mm-hmm. and i think jesus is so good about um just meeting us where we're at so if that is not maybe it won't be in a church service that's three hours long mm. 
but it could be on a soccer field. And that's like something that's just close to people's hearts. So that's an easy way to get in there because you're like, I already care about this. So yeah, I just think it's so cool that we have a God that wants us to enjoy life and to play and to be free with our friends and um, let off. I mean, even talking about like the spiritual, the emotional, the physical, like we were created in this way on purpose. Mm. And so like running around and playing soccer, that's like a cool way to, I don't know, just be this like image bearer of God. And yeah, and I just think Jesus is going to meet you wherever you are. So mm -hmm. especially on a soccer field. And mm -hmm. soccer is going to be the official sports in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> that's an, You're like, that's written wow. somewhere in the Bible. Wow. <laughs> it's got to be special. Yeah. <laughs> you know, anyways, what does Jesus have to say? Soccer, the official sport in heaven. There you go. <laughs> You get another chance to add to that answer, or you want to just leave this? Like, what, what, um, what does Jesus say about soccer? Or was that all you had to say on this? <laughs> that's all I had to say. I think. I, I think I think that's appropriate. <laughs> that's appropriate for this episode. So, but Faith, I will give you the last word. All right. Um, I was actually thinking along the lines of what Alyssa said about creation, because um, God says that everything created, He created it good. Jesus was there too. <laughs> and that's what he says about that. Every created thing is good. And in our sin-ridden world, many of those originally good things are pulled for bad. So think about like music, right? It can be so good, but it can also be so bad. Or food, it can be so healthy for our bodies and so necessary, but it can also get to a point where it's really bad or really addictive, right? So I think soccer is one of those things too. And mm. Jesus would say, hey, you're my image bearer, redeem this for me, okay? Like, hey, some people pull that. Soccer can be bad. People bet and lose mm -hmm. thousands of dollars mm -hmm. on soccer. Soccer can be addictive. Soccer can bring out the worst in you. Mm -hmm. But I think Jesus would say, hey, this is something I created to be good or to be neutral, so redeem it for me. Use it for good. Um, just like everything else, we get the opportunity to redeem one step closer to what it'll be like in heaven as believers. Soccer is something that's inherently neutral or inherently good and we can redeem it from the bad side um, in the way that we use it. Where can people find you if they're looking you up? Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> Our website is empoweringquechuas.com. No, I, need, I might need to spell it. <laughs> Empowering, we, we know that word. We, we will tag. <laughs> okay, so. that's cool, okay. <laughs> Our website is Empowering Quechuas. Our Instagram is also Empowering Quechuas. Our Facebook is Quechua Football Club. That was the original name that we put on it years ago, and Facebook won't let me change the name. But it's fine, because everyone loves it as that. So it's Quechua Football Club, but with a U, like the Spanish spelling of football. Um, yeah, I guess that's our links. There you go. Well, um, Faith and Miguel, we're so glad to have you. And, uh, you know, Miguel said he found out about this podcast episode yesterday. Last so. night, yeah, last night. Last night. <laughs> He loves to say that. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, so thank you so much for being here. The best way to get in touch with us is go to, excuse me, go to whygodwhypodcast.com, click the subscribe ring. We send you an email every week with this episode. You'll get this one and many other great episodes like it. Thank you so very much. Thank you.